Hey, Martine here. I know that by now you have heard me talk about The Seven, the new morning podcast from The Washington Post. It is the perfect quick listen to start your day. Okay, just picture. This morning, when I got home from the gym, I popped in my earbuds and pressed play on today's episode. So while I was making my breakfast and getting my bag together, I heard everything I needed to know about the House majority, about a new Senate bill protecting same-sex marriage, and about the Starbucks workers going on strike. In just a few minutes, I was like, yeah, I feel totally caught up and ready for the day. So that's all to say, tomorrow morning, that could be you. Just open up your podcast app and subscribe to The 7. This situation that we're living today in Haiti is a first in my lifetime. Widlor Marincourt is a journalist working in Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, and he's a contributor to The Post. He has been reporting on the many economic, political, and health crises that have been rapidly escalating across the country. For decades, Haiti has endured setback after setback, devastating hurricanes, catastrophic earthquakes, and a long cycle of political turmoil. But last year, there was a tipping point. Haiti's controversial president, Jovenel Moise, was assassinated. His successor, Ariel Henry, has brought even more instability. Since the assassination, Gangs across the country have taken advantage of a dire situation. They've blocked the flow of fuel, food, and clean water to people on the island. We have more than 100,000 people displaced by gang violence in the capital. You also have a cholera epidemic. You also have a dire situation of hunger. Recently, uh, close to 20,000 people were recorded to be in the situation of the highest level of hunger ever recorded in Haiti. So for Whitlore, the humanitarian crisis in Haiti feels like it's at its worst. The level of violence that I'm witnessing every day, the kidnappings, but more than that, the inhumanity of some of these gang leaders um, who are in bed with politicians and business people for me personally, is outrageous and it's unprecedented. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, November 17th. Today, Whitlore talked with my co-host Alahe Azadi about the situation on the ground in Haiti and what can be done about it. One of the last times we spoke with you was in July 2021, after the country's president at the time, Jovenel Moïse, was assassinated. Can you remind us how that happened and what the fallout in Haiti was afterwards? Okay, uh, the president, Jovenel Moïse, was not a popular figure. He was uh, deeply contested, um, and he was trying to do many things uh, in an unconstitutional manner. Actually, when he was killed in his home on the night of the 7th of you know, July 2021, many people expected that something like that could happen because 
of the lack of security for most people in the country and it's not a surprise that the head of the country actually would fall victim of the situation and when he was killed he was quickly replaced by Ariel Henry uh, with the support of the international community but uh, report emerged right after that Ariel Henry uh, was in touch with at least one of the alleged criminals uh, who killed the president and it's unclear if if he has any role and actually he denied any implication whatsoever in the assassination but since then um, many uh, you know, hundreds of thousand people took to the streets to denounce him and to ask him to resign. So the political situation did not improve. The security actually worsened during his, his, his term. And you also have on top of that a worsened situation of you know, humanitarian aid where um, today the north of the country, the north of Haiti, is cut by gang violence. You have the south of the country, which is effectively also cut. So uh, help cannot flow to people who are in need. Yeah, and then after the assassination, there was an earthquake, a deadly earthquake in in Haiti in August of 2021, and that killed thousands of people. I'm just wondering how that contributed to the broader situation that you're describing. Absolutely. And actually, this earthquake hits a place that was hit in 2016 by March hurricane. And, you know, this region has not recovered from this hurricane. And it, you know, dozens of schools collapsed. Uh, many people died. And today it has not yet recovered. And it's called the breadbasket of, you know, the country because so many farm activities conducted there. And when you have that situation of emergency and you do not have access by road, um, which is the main way that people reach Port-au-Prince to help people, that, you know, worsened the situation. So it's a very um, difficult situation. So, yeah, I did want to ask you more about the state of hunger in the country. Would you say that, you know, the the aftermath of the earthquake and then the situation that you're describing with the gangs is what's contributing to to the struggles that people are having to just get food on the table? Or is it bigger than that? Can you just sort of walk us through a little bit about why this situation is there right now with the state of hunger and what you're hearing and seeing from people on the ground? Like, how is this playing out in people's lives? So it is a situation that is concerning because for the first time in the history of Haiti, they recorded close to 20,000 people, um, you oh, know, wow. Wow. with the highest level of, of, of emergency there. That situation is actually caused, of course, by the gang violence that we are seeing in Haiti. A gang violence that, you know, stopped the flow of, of goods. Um, and more and more, we are seeing the gangs not only attacking Port-au-Prince, the capital, uh, which is home of, you know, many people, but also they are decentralizing their operations and to go uh, to places where historically you would not have uh, gang violence. 
let's take Jeremy, for instance, which is my hometown where I was born. When I was a child, it was not the thing to have gangs in in Jeremy. Jeremy is in the south of Haiti, and the south was hit in 2016 by um, the Machu hurricane. Mm. On top of that, you would have last year this earthquake that came, and the people were not being helped adequately um, because of the gang situation. Um, to go to the south, you need to use a road called Martissan. But this road is actually being blocked by uh, vicious gangs who shoot on the cars when they pass and they let some people go, but you have to pay. And sometimes even if you pay, they would shoot on the buses uh, and kill children, kill women who are pregnant. And these actually are not just cases that I'm trying to invent. These are like real cases that happened. And then beyond the hunger situation and the security, the other thing that you mentioned earlier was cholera right now in Haiti. And and first, I, I just did want to ask you, what is cholera? Can you remind us what it is and how does a person get it? Cholera is a bacteria and people take this bacteria mainly in environment where there is poor sanitation. Beginning October uh, this year, uh, many cases were reported in different slums uh, of the country. And the latest report um, about cholera that came in the 11th of November 2022 from the Pan-American Health Organization said that 144 people died uh, in Haiti on the current outbreak of the cholera. And the Ministry of Health recorded uh, more than 7,000 suspected cases. And most concerns right now is how do you fight this epidemic when you don't have access to clean water uh, or access to clean water is, you know, is little. You don't have a mean to sort of treat the water that you are giving to your children. After the break, Alahe talks with Whitlore about the strategies that other countries are considering to help these crises and the fraught history of international intervention in Haiti. We'll be right back. I'm Hannah Rosen, host of Radio Atlantic. Wait, really? Every week, we talk to Atlantic writers or other creative thinkers, and we take one idea and we road test it. Maybe what I'm asking is, is the problem them or us? Sometimes I change my mind about things. That's such a good point. I never thought of that. Maybe you will, too. Or at least you might see something differently. Ooh, that's fabulous. Radio Atlantic. New episodes every Thursday. I'm imagining there are people outside of Haiti hearing this and they might think there are all these crises right now with with governance and security and the humanitarian crisis. And a a good option is to get outside help that the, the world and specifically the United States need to get 
more involved and do something. But what do people inside of Haiti have to say about foreign and U.S. intervention? International intervention in Haiti is a charged topic. You have on one side um, people who are against any international intervention in Haiti. What they are saying is the international interventions in Haiti do not work. And actually, instead of improving the country's situation, it makes it worse. We had a UN intervention in Haiti. Uh, In 2010, the UN bring cholera in Haiti, and this disease was spread to Haiti because waste was released in the river that was being used by the population um, in the Artibonite in Haiti. And quickly, the disease spread in the region and all over the country. Uh, it was never a th- uh, something that Haiti had to deal with before uh, the 2010 outbreak that was sparked by the actions of soldiers in the peacekeeping mission of the United Nations. And it killed about 10,000 people and 800,000 others were infected by the disease. And when it left Haiti in 2017, quickly the country went back to this almost the same situation it was before and probably worse. Uh, Because today we had recently a president killed and, you know, the cases of kidnappings have never been um, as high as they are today. So with these things in mind, with the fact that multiple um, interventions from foreign actors in Haiti uh, in the past years did not bring about the changes and did not bring the positive outcome that they claim they were bringing, many people uh, opposed to any intervention. But at the same time, some people in the population um, are asking for some help because they think that the insecurity that we have in Haiti is unprecedented and they don't see how the Haitian National Police will be able to solve this problem uh, by itself. Hundreds of people are fleeing the gang violence and some of them set up a camp in front of the international airport and they are still there actually waiting for some help uh, because they cannot go back to Cité Soleil which is the ground play for a fight between different gang factions. Uh, You have in Mm. the south of the capital um, the gangs controlling uh, the place and, you know, taking, uh, kidnapping for ransom and raping women systematically and hiring kids to become soldiers in the fight for more money and more power because more money means more guns and more power and so they can negotiate better with uh, politicians. So mm-hmm. in such a situation, many people are saying, let us have some help and we could use that to thumb down the insecurity and also get the institutions of this country back on track. 
And I'm also wondering, what about the role of the United States here? Is is the U.S. considering intervening? And what is the U.S. even doing with its own, you know, immigration and asylum policies for those Haitians who want to leave and come to the United States? The official position of the U.S. right now is they are supporting uh, multiple resolutions, uh, including uh, one resolution in from, from the U.N., which was passed, which says that actually we want to impose sanctions on the gang leaders and also bar them from leaving the country. Um, and there is another resolution that is trying to sort of have the stamp of the UN, the UN approval for an intervention. The US do not want to send people on the ground. And this was repeated multiple times by the officials. And they are trying to find somebody else um, to to lead the mission. Uh, Canada, uh, in the couple of uh, weeks back, sent uh, emissaries in Haiti to sort of evaluate the situation uh, on the ground. And multiple countries are approached to uh, with the idea that they could lead such mission. But at the same time, the U.S. is concerned by the humanitarian situation in Haiti. And there are discussions um, that because the situation is so dire, thousands of people will continue to flee the country um, and to try to reach the U.S. Um, NBC reported last week, I believe, that there are even talks that they could use the Guantanamo prisons to held Haitian refugees who are seeking to flee um, the situation. But if you talk to some of the protesters in the streets in Port-au-Prince today, one thing that will come back over and over in the signs that they use in the protest, but also in interviews with journalists, is they held the United States of America at least in part responsible for what's going on in Haiti today. Mm. Because Mm. we have a gang situation in Haiti that would not be possible without the gun industry in the U.S. Multiple reports from the Justice Department in the U.S. show that most guns traced in Haiti in criminal activities comes from the United States. And people are asking why nothing was done to stop these guns from coming, uh, you know, from the U.S. to Haiti where they are being used to shut down businesses that gave people, you know, um, jobs that is being used to kidnap people. And some of these folks, because of this gun situation, will try to leave. But they also hold the U.S. accountable for its support for many past administrations that helped bring the country to the chaos that it is right now. For instance, uh, Jovenel Moïse was a contested president. He was doing many things um, that was unconstitutional, but he enjoyed during all his term the support of the U.S. And it's the same situation, the same history that is repeating 
itself right now with Ariel Henry in power, which, you know, despite the mass protest, um, is enjoying um, the support of the U.S. So stepping back right now, what does the path forward look like for you? What options exist to improve the situation in Haiti? What the authorities are trying to do right now is train the Haitian National Police and equip this force so it can fight effectively against the gangs. But if the past weeks were an example, we could say that this work um, will take lots of time to be accomplished because the Haitian National Police is under-equipped in front of gangs who have machine guns and guns that you only see in war zones. But you also have a humanitarian um, situation um, in your hands where hundreds of people uh, in need of humanitarian assistance. Uh, close to half of the country actually is in hunger crisis, according to uh, human rights organizations. Um, and you cannot effectively fight against this dire situation without some sort of stability, political stability, but also without fighting effectively against the gangs. Whitlor, I'm wondering, from your conversations with people around the country, yourself working as a journalist in your home country, what do you think it's important for the rest of us outside of Haiti to know about, about Haiti right now? What I think is important to know about Haiti right now is simple. The country is not in its best shape for years we had different crises, political crisis, humanitarian crisis, earthquake, floods, etc. But what is important to know is Haitian people are not desperate. They are not waiting so somebody else could come and solve their own problems. Whenever I go to the streets, whenever I take my phone and I try to call people to interview, whenever I travel around the country, I am pleasantly surprised, I would say, by the resilience of the people, but also by their combativeness. You see this on all sorts of fronts. You see this from the peasants. You see this from the political sector. But you see this in professionals um, who, many of them try to leave Haiti, that's true. But also, hundreds of them actually are living inside Haiti and take some sort of oath to stay in Haiti, to educate people, to help organizations because they believe in the future of this country. And I think we don't, from the outside world, think enough about these people. Whitler, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Whitler Marincourt is a contributor to The Post in Port-au-Prince. He spoke with my co-host, Alahe Azadi. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Sabi Robinson, it was mixed by Sean Carter, and it was edited by Lucy Perkins. I'm Martine Powers. 
We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.